last week. Um, I'm going to have to blame my son. Yeah. He started on something. I'm just going to say this is part B this morning. I don't know how to do this, but sometimes I was talking to the Lord about this this week is that um, everything's not the same. Every day's not the same. There are certain things that God does at certain times. There are certain opportunities. And I want to tell you this, church. Let me tell you this. We took an opportunity last week to help a pastor and his wife and workers in Guatemex Vision. There was just this door of opportunity, and we took it. And so far, we have we have gathered thirteen thousand dollars to help them. I'm telling you, I, I don't know what it would be like to have somebody show up at my door and say, "We're taking your house." I don't know what that's about, but that's what happened to them. They lost everything. But Uncle Skip, he was shouting, you know, "Wow!" And I called and talked to them and. And I'm not sure if they're going to build a house there at the Bible school. I don't know. They haven't decided that yet. But I'll tell you what. We put a dent in the devil's work. We put a dent in the devil's work. He tried to destroy. He tried to destroy. That same devil, I know what he would say to me, and I know what he would say to you. Look, you have, you have been a, a, a preacher and a pastor and a helper and a Christian man and, and all these years, and now, look, this is what you get. But... but the Lord's going to come through and bless. Amen? And uh, so, thank you so much. I mean, there's no way that we get rewarded for this in this life. But we are laying treasure. And I'm not looking to to get to heaven so I can go through the, you know, the the booty that I get there. You know, it's old pirate term. But we want to lay... Because where your treasure is, what does the Scripture say? Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Amen. So we lay it up in the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thank you so much for, for that. And I'm saying that in their place. But there is, there are certain times that God does certain things. We were mentioning this the other day that the book of Acts isn't about a week. It's not about a month. It's not about a year in the lifetime of the early church. It's about 30 years of the lifetime in the early church. And there were times that God would do a thing and not repeat that again. Now, I don't know. I'm not the Lord. I just pray this way. Lord, whatever your timing is, let us see the opportunity. Can you say amen? And so where that opportunity is and where God is moving at a time, then we don't want to miss that. And so uh, we thank you for responding to that opportunity. This morning, uh, I feel like I said, I'm, I'm going to blame my son. He got me thinking again. He went to a scripture. Um, and after many, 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 many years of using this same Bible, I have some notations in there. And the scripture that he went to, John 10.30, I have a notation in there. 
And uh, so I'm sorry. I'm going back there. Sorry. But the Lord just began to kind of stir my heart in this. It's a little different, but kind of we're, we're aiming in the same direction. I have taught about this before. I want to teach about it again. I don't want anybody to be, uh, I always do a disclaimer. My disclaimer is this. I'm going to preach to you the gospel how I see it, how I understand it, and the light that I'm in. Is that okay? And then if you don't understand it that way and, you know, take it up with the Lord and the Scripture and, and you do your best to understand it. But I'm, I'm going to try and deliver something this morning that, that is just going to help us a little, um, maybe, maybe broaden our scope. Help our understanding a little bit. I'll start in the book of Matthew in the 16th chapter, 13th verse. Most of you understand completely what this is about. And coming into the parts of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus questioned his disciples saying, Who do men say me to be the Son of Man? Um, can you go to, Matt, go to Matthew? I want to read this out of King James because it, the way it phrases it. Matthew uh, 16 and uh, 13 and so there so um, when he came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi he asked the disciples saying who do men say that I everybody say I the son of man am everybody say am okay okay I think I'm just going to break off there I was going to read a little bit more but um, I think I'll go to First John and the first chapter. I didn't have this down in my uh, in my notes here, so I have to turn to with you. First John, the first chapter, and and we announce to you. Let me let me read it from the Greek rendering. It, it'll be better. The one which was from the beginning, what we have heard, the one which we have heard, the one which we have seen with the eyes of us, the one we beheld, and the hands of us touched concerning the word, the logos of life. I like this part. And the life was revealed. And we have seen and we have bear witness and we announce to you the everlasting life. Mm. Which was using with, pros, ton, patera, which was with the Father and was revealed to us. The one we have seen and we have heard, we announce to you that also... Your fellowship may be with us, uh, true fellowship, and and our and truly our fellowship is with. Now, I'm going to just read the, through this, and then we'll talk about it. Is with the Father and with the Son of Him, Jesus Christ. And these things I write to you, that the joy of you may be fulfilled. And then I want to go just really briefly to John eight and fifty eight. And Jesus said to them, before Abraham was. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. How many's heard a message on I am? Yeah, I think in, probably anybody's been to church for any amount of time. 
we're going to dig into it for a little bit today, okay? The Lord just kind of showed me a little something that was put on my heart years ago. And we're going to bring it back up. And it's going to sound a lot like what you heard Sunday night, kind of in a different different respect. And I just hope that um, the Lord just ministered to you. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Your word, so powerful. We could go so many places and read text. But, Lord, you have to anoint it to us. And, Lord, you have to open our hearts, our minds to see the Scripture. In ourselves, we won't be able to do that. So anoint our ears to hear, anoint our hearts to hear, that we can understand the concepts and precepts, the logos of God that you've given to us, that we may grow by it. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone say amen, 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 amen. So what I want to preach about is what is between the I and the am. So, well, it's, you know, it's a complete statement. Well, I'm going to show you something in Scripture. Between the I and the am. So, let's start with the definition of what I am, basically what it means. We find it in, in the Scripture. Uh, it is there many times, especially in, in, in the book of John and others. The literal meaning of I am, so we start out with the word or I, the Greek word, ego, and it means I or me in the English translation for us. And uh, with my would just be the possessive of the first person pronoun, I, first person pronoun. And then the Greek word for am comes from the root word, I, me, and it means to exist, to be. And the word am actually is the present existence of I, me. And it means right now. now somebody made a really good point the other day. And uh, it was, he was an idiot, but he made a good point. When we talk about, um, remember a couple of Sundays ago, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As soon as I can get today out of my mouth, it's yesterday. Because we are, we are passing. We are going. We don't stay in the same place. And so things that I'm talking about right now are passing us by. And so only the current. I mean, as soon as I get it out of my mouth, it passes, right? So when I say Jesus, the same yesterday, today... It's at this instant, but then the next instant comes, and he's the same. So when we talk about I am, it kind of has that sort of that same uh, idea to it, is that he was, and he is, and he will be as a constant, not as broken up between yesterday, today, and forever, but, but a constant there is no break in that so that whatever happens a second ago is current today. And so the Lord being I am is not that he could be, he might be, he, he, he can be, but he is that constant. And so when we, when we use this term I am, it, it really harks back to 
the name that God provided for himself, you know, whom shall I say sent me? They don't know who you are, God. Whom shall I say sent me? And when God reveals Yahweh, Yahweh is, is, is not a proper name like we would see a name. But it's the name that God chooses to identify himself by. Because the name Yahweh is, I was, I am, I will be. Now, how would you like it if you met somebody and that's what they told you their name was? My name was, I was, I am, and I will be. That's not a name like our personal names that we give each other. And why do we have names? Does anybody know why we have names? Because we were in the hospital and mom and dad looked through a book and they found a name. How many of you ladies remember that, you know? There used to be a name of, uh, a book of names. And I think Kay went through that. And, nah, that one sometimes, I don't know about that one. And uh, so we ended up on Heather. Um, you know, how did we get there? Does it change her being anything other than who she is because her name is Heather? Rodney was easy. Well, we just pass it down. You know, that's nothing to that. And so we're kind of looking at, at, at Rodney and what's going to happen now. We don't know. Four, five, six. You know, how far does it go? But the name really is, what is it? It's an identifier, right? It identifies you. It separates you from somebody else. So that if I call your name, and, and sometimes we have multiples of the same name, uh, in our case, Rodney, when you call Rodney, you better specify, you know, old, medium, or young. Because Coop was little. He said he figured it out. He got Papara, Papara. Uh, what do you call it? Big Ra, Big Ra, and Lee Ra. And he couldn't speak very well then. He can now. He just chooses not to do it. <laughs> but, uh, but that was identification for us. So we knew. Uh, we're up here on the job the other day, and I don't know if I already told this or not, but we're working for Ron. And uh, Ron, he comes out to the job and and meets us and said, I'm Rod. And, and Ron, I'm Rod. And, Rod. I'm Rod. He's like, everybody's Rod. Well, the good thing is, the guy that lives next door, guess what his name is? Rod. His name is Ron. And I'll tell you what, it is just filled with glory out there. It's, it's awesome. But anyway, our name serves to identify us, right? It separates us so that we know who we're conversing with, who's conversing with us. So we call a name and we're talking to them and We'll be sitting in a restaurant, and, and I'm off in Wonderland somewhere, and I hear, Rod, well, Heather does that so she can get my attention. Dad doesn't do it all the time, so she'll say, Rod. Oh, yes, what do you need? But we respond to that because it separates us from everybody. I want to tell you, the name Yahweh is not a name like that because we can't ascribe a name to our God. He is just God. He is just, I exist. Because I exist, I always existed. I will always exist from this moment forward. And that's what you need to know about me. And so that's where we get this I am. It comes from Yahweh. It comes from I existed. I was, I am, and I will be. And so I am is this 
personal statement of who God says that He is. It's not just a name, but through the Scripture, it becomes a label or a name, and we begin to understand that God is called by that name, but really what it is and what it always represents is this timeless statement of God's personal identification. In John 8, chapter 58, verse, and now it's clear that the rabbi Yeshua is staking a claim to the name of the everlasting Father. It's not like Jesus said, I am, but then there's another one who says, I am, and there's a third one that says, I am. There is just one I am. According to Scripture, there's not several, many. God, I am who I am. There, there is none beside me. And so when he, when he uh, stakes a claim to this name, it's no wonder that they take up stones to want to kill him. They understood what he did. When he said before Abraham was, I am, they understood that clearly. Is that he's staking claim to be what the Old Testament said that he would be called, and he shall be called everlasting father, and I'm staking my claim to it right now before Abraham was, I am. They pick up stones to kill him. Blasphemy. So in John 10, 33, um, they took up stones to kill him. And Jesus said, why are you wanting to kill me? What is it that I've done that you want to kill me? Oh, it's not because of your works. It's because you being a man, make yourself God. Somebody said Jesus never claimed to be God. You're reading the wrong Bible. He claimed to be I am. And that's not just a part of God. That's not a third of God. That's not a second part of God. That is God Himself, according to His name. And this is what Jesus claims. Everybody okay? Say amen. I did my disclaimer already, so, you know, if you don't agree, that's fine. So now I want to go back to verse 30. Put that back up there, John, John 10, uh, 30. And, and so Pastor Ronnie brought this out the other day, and here's where my notes are on this. I and my Father are one. Now, when you take the uh, uh, language of the Greek and translate it into the English, the arrangements of the words are often different. And it doesn't mean that I think they were trying to say something different, but just the arrangements of those words are different. How this starts is, and in the Greek, it starts with ego, which is I, says, and my father, one, are, is how it reads in the Greek. Well, that word are there, it has the root word of I, me. It is just the present indicative active case of I, me. And so when you look at this, it says, I and my father am one, or one, Am. I am. And there's something between the I 
and the am that interests me in this verse. And it's called the Father. Let me tell you this. John went on to say in his first uh, epistle, you cannot have the Father without the Son. You cannot have the Son without the Father. So you don't get to pick and choose. Well, somebody said, I'm, I'm meeting Jesus, so someday I'll go to heaven and he'll introduce me to the Father. No, you're not hearing this right. I am my Father, one am. And so in between I and am is the Father. In him, bodily. All the fullness of the Godness dwells in him bodily. Where at? Between the I and the am. See, I am is where the hypostatic union is physically visible. It's where the infinite, intangible, impassable God, creator of all things, fathered and only begotten Son, a body that has prepared for me, that Yahweh might manifest himself openly. Are you ever going to see I am? Yes, in Jesus Christ. This is the revelation. This is how God has opened his revelation to mankind is in the body of Jesus Christ. And so this parallels in, in uh, John 14 and 10. Do you not believe that I, ego, in the Father, and the Father in me is esten? Again, a root word, I, me. Sandwiched between the I and the am, we find the Father. You may be looking at the flesh man standing there. And this is why they picked up stones. And this is why they said, we are going to stone you. We're going to kill you because you claim to be God and you're just a man. But what you're seeing in the man is the manifestation of what God is doing in the I am. And the Father is in the man. Can you say amen? See, there's this strange mystery that we have trouble with. And Paul wrote about it in Corinthians. He said, the mystery of God Father and Christ. That's always a mystery to us because we come up with two different individuals. But we don't have two individuals here. What we have is the flesh that is revealed by what is inside the man. And the man is I am, but what is inside of him is the Father of all things, the one who created, the one who begat, the one who formed, the one who is invisible, becomes visible in the body of Jesus Christ. And so the Father in Him, in essence, the Word is saying that the Father abides between the I and the M. I want to show you an Old Testament thing right here, right now. Is everybody okay? Say amen. I want to show you an Old Testament thing because God did some pictures. He did some parallels. He did some, some patterns back in an Old Testament time. And now, um, I want to say this, and I say this to all of our brethren. I like preaching about Old Testament stuff, but I don't want to leave it there. Because everything old has to become new. Everything Old Testament has to witness of the new. 
And so the other day we're in a meeting and, and we learned all about David in a cave, but we didn't learn about Jesus. Well, I don't need to learn about David in a cave. It doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. So all I've learned is David in a cave. That doesn't help me. So we've got to bring it to the new. We transpose it out of the old into the new because it's an example of what the new is about. It's not the real. And we've gone over this so many times. That's not the real. What the real is is Christ who is the truth. And so back and, and put this up for me. I, I do want to read this. This is in uh, Exodus, the 25th chapter and the 22nd verse. And I want to read this because it talks, this is the first kind of, kind of inference about the, the mercy seat. So it's Exodus 25 and, and uh, 22. And so, uh, and there I will meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in the commandment unto the children of Israel. And so we have this picture of God told Moses to build this ark and upon this, this box, really it wasn't an ark like, like what Noah built, it's a box. And in that box there is the implements that uh, God told him to keep, the Ten Commandments, the, the, the rod that budded, and a pot of manna in its inside. But on top of it, lay gold and put cherubs on each end, and then I will meet in the middle of this, and my presence will be there to talk with you. And so what we have is this picture of, of something that's physical, but in the middle of it, we have the presence of God. And so this is perfectly example of the Lord uh, our Christ, we know him to be the ark of our salvation. We know him to be the new ark of God. And, and what we see is a physical representation, but the presence of God is in the middle of that man, Christ Jesus. And so I like to go to his death and his burial, the burial chamber being that quiet place, that holy place, holiest of holies where they put the ark and now they lay Jesus down in this, in this tomb. They roll the stone over him and when they roll it back, they saw an angel at each end of where he laid and there was Christ. The presence of God, of course, was gone, but that's where the presence of God was. It typifies, look, Jesus is the ark of the covenant. Can you say amen? He's not the Ark of the Old Covenant. We don't need to look for that. And the adventures of looking for that, who was that guy? He's all searching for the Ark out there, but, but he's not going to. The Germans tried to find the Ark of the Covenant. If you find the Ark of the Covenant, all you're going to find is a wilted box because it's been transposed to the one who we know that his body, the presence of God, was in his body and the fullness of God was manifested through his body. And you can't have him. You can't get him. You can't take him away. Can you say, man, he is presiding in the heavens. And so when we look at this, this I am kind of equal in the Old Testament, it's even though God said, you know, I am, but he said, I will meet in my presence there on the mercy seat. Amen. Now, let's go back to uh, Matthew, the 16th chapter there. And um, uh, 
Play Town. You've seen that guy that's half goat and half human? And that was Pan. And Pan was, uh, you know, it was all Greek mythology. And in Caesarea Philippi, it's still there. You can look it up on the internet. They believed there was a gate to hell in Caesarea Philippi where there was a pit that water ran into. They couldn't, they didn't know the bottom, couldn't see the bottom of it. And they thought it went all the way into hell. And so um, Jesus says to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets come back to life. Some say you're John the Baptist. Listen, I'll tell you something. It doesn't matter who men say the I am is. It doesn't matter. He's going to be who he is no matter what people say. And that's why this new modern gospel that's going on out there does not change the fact that he is who he is. Now, their God might be some kind of a love God. He might be some kind of a grace God, but he is going to remain exactly where he is. He is, I am. He will not change. He will not go back. He will not come forward unless he is perfectly the same as he was and is and will be. And so your opinion of God does not change him. Whom do men say that I am means nothing. It's who do you say that he is, is what means something. If you think he's less than God, you're in trouble. If you think that he's just a portion of God somewhere, you've got problems. Because he asked these disciples pointedly, who is it? that you think that I am. But he's not just questioning I am. What he's saying is, I am, I am. And who? what do you think about me being I am? And Peter spouts off, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm going to tell you what, he got, he got a lot of things wrong in his life, but he got that one right. And so, you know, kudos to him there. He finally got, he got something right, Peter. You said a lot of things that weren't right now. You got one right. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father, which is in the heavenly, don't think that heaven is a million miles away in a golden city somewhere. Heaven is where the Father resides. Between the I and the am, he will come to visit us. Yeah, that's where he's at. Jesus had no contemporaries in his ministry. John the Baptist was the last one that was ministering before Christ's ministry, and his head was severed. Jesus had no contemporaries. There are no other prophets. There are no other seers. It's just him and him alone. The voice comes out of heaven. Hear him. This is him. This is the son. Hear him. And God is speaking through the son. Can you say amen? In latter days, in times past, God spoke to the prophets. He spoke to the prophets, and the prophets spoke to the fathers, but not in this day. God is not speaking that way. Well, how is he speaking now? He is speaking through son. Because that's where his presence resides. Everybody okay?
hey, man, I'm not going to keep you too long because I don't want to bore you to death. I was pretty excited about this when I began to think about it and began to get on what Pastor Rodney was preaching last week. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to come in on the heels of that. But this idea that what we claim him to be, he's going to be, is wrong and false. The idea that we've got God figured out how he's going to work, what he's going to do, and when he's going to do it, is wrong and false. He is still I am. Can you say amen? So he's going to work sovereignly. Sovereignly. We were the other day, we stopped by a place and began to talk to this woman, and, and they had a lot of stuff in there that we were interested in, cowboy-looking stuff and everything. And we began to talk to her, and the more we talked to her, we realized that this woman is, you know, she's a woman of faith. She's, she's, I can tell. And we get talking, and, and uh, she's, you know, gets to the place where now we, <laughs> we've talked and everybody's happy, but now we're getting into doctrine. And, and so we just kind of didn't go that direction because, you know, I didn't want to lose friends right away. She says this, and it, and it's, and it really made sense to me. She said, the problem in this area with the churches around here Every, everybody's got a spin on Holy Ghost. And I thought, man, that was an opportunity. I could have stepped through that door right there, but I didn't. Didn't want to offend her, you know. It's the wrong place at the wrong time. Everybody's got a different spin on Holy Ghost. I said, I got in the car and I said, okay, this is exactly, she made a perfect, perfect analogy there because that is exactly what's going on. Everybody's got their own spin, but Where's the Lord at in this? And where, where's the I am at in this? And, and, and so we've, we've gone this direction where we're taking other things in and, and going other things. And, and we went to Holiness Revival the other night. There wasn't another visitor. And all the holiness churches that are in this town, none of them came out. Let me tell you why. Because they have one little disagreeance here, one little disagreeance there. And they can't even fellowship, and they're not even, I don't know if they're brethren, I don't know what they are. We were there. I don't even believe what they teach, but we were there anyway. I was at a church this morning. The man was talking about Jesus, and I was saying amen. I don't believe everything he teaches, but let me tell you something. This isn't about church. It's not about what we believe. It's not about our little doctrines and dogmas. It's about the I am. It's about the one who was and is and is to come and nothing else. Nothing else. Can you imagine what the Lord feels? He looks down and says, well, this church, they're meeting over there, but they won't have anything to do with this church, and they're all supposed to be my people. It's because we've been, we quit flying under the flag of I am. We started flying under our own flag of what we think about I am instead of what he says about himself. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen, amen. So, now let me go to another one of these things where I and am, and there's something sandwiched in between. John 6, 63. The words which I speak to you, I, ego, speak to you, spirit are, and life are, I, me. Between the I and the am is words of life. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they don't come from me. Now he's talking about the flesh man. They don't come out of the flesh. 
He told Peter, he said, he told Peter, he said, he said, you didn't receive this from flesh. I didn't get you down and convince you, Peter, that I am the Christ. But something was revealed to you. I want you to know this morning that between I and him are words of life. Now, I don't know outside of that. Now, I don't know the dogmas and doctrines and, and all the nuances of everybody and what they believe. I don't know about all that. But I know between the I and the am, there are some words in there that are going to bring life to my soul. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for more ideas. I'm not looking for more churches to spring up and be right and proper and all fixed up. I'm looking for the words that come out of the I am because there's something in there that's going to bring life to me and I'm going to die without him I'm going to be dead in my spirit without him but this breathes life into my spirit what is between the I and the M somebody said well everything Jesus said you know was spirit and life well, there was no casual conversation you know pass me the mutton that's, that's not spirit or life you know, hey, would you grab, you know, would you grab some more wood and put on the fire? Remember, we talked about the Lord and his disciples they had fires. Hey, Peter, get come on over there and grab some wood and put on the fire. That's not spirit and life. But the things that he says out of from within his spirit, where his fatherness is, when he takes out of that and he gives to us, that is spirit and life to us. That will sustain us. That will lead us, not getting the right sandals, not getting the right robe, not getting the right beard or the right hairdo so I can look like Jesus. No, that's not what's going to give you life, but what he says out of from within his being when he begins to teach, when he begins to preach, when he begins to lay out who he is and what he is and exposes himself for what he is, then spirit and life take grip inside of us. And that's why I raise your hand and say the prayer, uh, salvation doesn't work. We're going to have to do that for you a lot of times because it doesn't take. Everybody here that doesn't know Jesus, raise your hand and, and, and repeat after me this prayer. What is it? Uh, I know you are the Son of God. I know, I know that you went to, uh, you died and, and uh, rose again from the grave. And uh, now you're saved. <laughs> Well, glory, you're everybody saved. No, if you didn't experience the I am and the words that come out of him, you didn't get saved. You might have got religion. You might have you got the, the formal invitation and answered it. But you didn't get saved unless the words of what was in him came out of him and got into you. And so when Rabbi Jesus, Yeshua, takes out of from within, and I'm going to use this term just a minute ago, out of from within his fatherness, because he has laid claim on the name of the Father God Creator. And because the Old Testament has witnessed of them, he shall be called, he shall be called the Father of Eternity. And because of that, he takes out of his fatherness and he begins to show us who Yeshua is, who Yahweh is, 
and come to find out they're one and the same. He's not showing you something different. He's revealing to you I am. Mm -hmm. He's revealing to us the same thing that he is. And so I want to cover what, I don't have my watch today, I forgot it. Forgot it this morning, getting ready to go to the Baptist church, and I just forgot it today. And so we're going to have to guess it in. How many believe that we have a few more minutes? Say amen. We don't have a night service tonight, so if I preach for a couple more hours, it'd be no big deal. So, so I want to go to, real quick, what's called by Bible scholars the seven I am's. Has anybody witnessed that? You've been reading it. Okay, the scholars say there are seven places that, that Jesus said I am. However, if you have a Greek Testament, it's all over in the Greek Testament. Ego I me, ego I me, ego I me. And so I want to go to those seven. Is that okay? Real quick. Number one, I am the bread of life. Now, let me offer to you, these are not descriptions. These are what he is. So we don't look at him as a, as a loaf of bread. I'm the bread of life. Now, you're going to find out that he's everything. He's one of everything. And so he's just going to expose to us, I am the bread of life. And now he begins to preach this sermon. And he said, everyone who is feeding off of me is going to have life within him. But if you don't eat, if you don't feed off of me, and he's talking about his words again, and you don't take them and you don't hearken to them, you will have death in your life. So I am the bread of life. There's nowhere else to go eat. There's nowhere else to get sustainment. There's nowhere else that you can find hope for your soul and your spirit. He is the bread of life. I am. He takes from out of himself bread to feed us. He gets us here on a Sunday morning and said, I'm going to get some bread. I'm going to feed my children this morning. I'm going to give to them nourishment and strength because he takes it from out of from within himself. Between the I and the am is some bread of life. Number two, I got to get these in order because, oh yeah, I am the light of the world. Oh wow. You're going to walk in darkness. You're going to live in darkness. We all walked in darkness before we found the Lord. Can you say amen? We were steeped in trespasses and sins. We had our own life, our own way. We had no light in us. We had no life in us. But when we found the Lord, when we found His words, when we found who He was, we found the I Am. We figured out real quick that there was something between the I and the Am. And that was light to my path, light to my soul, that God in Himself has loved. He wrote it in the first, first chapter of 1 John. That one, we've handled him. He is the light of the world. He's the one who came in to shine God's light upon humanity. That's who he is. He's the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Of course he's the good shepherd. The other shepherd is the bad shepherd. I hate him. He's going to ruin you. He's going to mess your life up. Take you in wrong directions. 
He's not leading you beside the still water. He's not restoring your soul. He's not pouring an ointment over your head. He's not watching out for you. He's not going after you when you fall away from the flock. But there is one who is a good shepherd, and it's just in him. He doesn't have to work it up. He doesn't have to try and become that. He is the good shepherd, period. That's in him. Oh, I think he's the good shepherd because he did this and that and the other. No, no, he's the good shepherd because that's what's in him. It's between the I and the am. I am the door. Anyone that tries to come any other way, they're a thief and a robber. There's only one entrance. There's only one sheepfold. There's only one way to get in that sheepfold, and that is through the door. What door? There's different doors. I just saw Oprah the other day. Oh, all different people have different ways that lead to God. No, they all lead to hell except for one, and that is the door. That is the I am. Between the I and the am, there's a door that swung open for you and I to walk into and find good pasture in and out of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that through your heart? Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I am, now, I am the resurrection. See, Jesus told this to Mary and Martha, whose brother Lazarus was in the tomb, before he ever did it. He didn't do it and say, now look, see there, I'm the resurrection. No, because resurrection is who he is. Resurrection shows that he has power over death. Resurrection shows that he is the one who brings life out of dead situations. That when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, you needed some resurrection. And you're not going to find it anywhere else except between the eye and the ham. He is the resurrection. I don't know all things about the end times. I don't know much about the catching away. I don't know about the graves and those are coming out. But I do know this, that I'm in him and he's in me and he's the resurrection. And if he's the resurrection, he has also put some of that in me that I'm not going down. I'm going up with him. He is the resurrection. It's not what he will become. It's not what he will do. It's who he is. I am the resurrection. We're almost done, so just hang on just a minute, and uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to get through. And so, finally, I put this at the end. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's three I ams. So they missed it, right? They said seven. Well, there's at least nine. I am the way. So I'm going to follow, you know, around what I think pastor that he go. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, the way is in me. I'm the way. There's not even a chance that any other way is going to work. It's my way or the highway. I'm the way. Well, I don't know how to do this. Thomas said, Jesus, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know where you go. No. No, I'm the way, Thomas. It's not just, you know, the path I'm taking over here. I might show you a path. No, I'm the way. It's in me. It's between the I and the M. I am the truth. 
And everyone that claims to be the truth outside of Christ is a liar. Let every man be a liar. Let God be the truth. He's the truth. He is that pure, holy, single, one truth that I'm going to hold on to. The devil comes and says the Lord's a liar. The devil comes and says that's imagination of men, that, that really all that scripture stuff, it's not real. It doesn't work. It just it was in people's minds. It's just another religion called a Christian religion. But I have put my faith and my trust that Jesus Christ not only tells the truth, but he is the truth. It's in him between the I and the M. He is the truth. Can a church say amen? And I am the life. If you're going to know life, you're not going to know it in this world. We've always tried to, to make our life as good as we could. How many here would say that I've tried to make life as good as I can? I just want to get a little input right here. Everybody can. I've tried to make life as good as I can. But that's not the life he's talking about. He's talking about that life that's been invested in you. There is its spirit life inside of you that isn't going to die. That though we pass from this body, we will live. That though we, we, we expire on the outside, we are renewed on the inside. There is a life in us. There's only one person who can offer eternal life. There's just one. Allah can't offer eternal life. He doesn't have it. He is not it. Muhammad can't do that. Buddha can't give his followers eternal life because they don't own it. They don't have it. But inside the I and the M, there is life. That's where it lays. That's where it's at. That's where you'll find it is inside of the I am. It's there. He has life eternal for those who believe on him. Can you say amen? Isn't that beautiful? All right, let's, let's, let's close down here. And, and uh, these don't describe him. These are him. These are the characters, the character of his essence down in Hebrews, the first chapter, and much, much more, which is between the I and the M. The final revelation that God left with his believers, part of Matthew, the uh, 28th chapter, was inserted into the Scripture. Part of it was. It's not found in the original documents. It's not found by the original writers. Those that had copied the scriptures. As it starts out in the 19th verse, 28th chapter of Matthew. And it says this, go into all the nations. And somebody inserted baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. That didn't even make sense. When you talk about I am, you can't even go there. There's just one I am. Somebody has inserted that into the Scripture. It was not found in, in, in early manuscripts. But it's been inserted because they wanted the church to believe that. Let me tell you what it does say, though. Going then, disciple all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, here we go. Everybody listen real, real good right now. Right here. We're there. And behold. Does everybody know what behold means? You look at it. You gaze at it. I, ego, 
with you am, I me, all the days until the completion of the age. Let me tell you something. He made a promise right there. That it's not just he's going to do his own thing. But he's going to be with you. That's why if you're in him, I'm in him. Can everybody say amen? Where am I at in here? I'm somewhere between the I and the M. Because that's where he is. That's where his presence is. Between that flesh and the spirit, between somewhere his presence is there. And his presence will be with us to the end of the age. Wow. I can't get a greater promise than that, that his presence is going to be with us to the end of the age. Now, I love our preachers. I love our people. I love our church. So we just join together. We have so much koinonia. We love each other. We just have some of the best times. But well, I'm going to tell you what, that's not going to suffice for me. I've got to have a little bit more than that. Say amen. And I get up in the morning and I face the world and go out and have to work and have to put up with everything that's going on there and everybody's attitude and all the stuff that's, that's happening around about me. There's something that I need to know that's more than I just have Christianity. I need to know that His presence is with me and His promise is right there that until the end of the age. Behold, behold, behold. I'm going to be with you because you are in I am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, I am. I am. It's him. Glory. Praise the Lord. I'm not alone. I'm not alone anymore. I'm not facing life on my own anymore. He's with me. Until the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. Can you stand up? We're just going to give God praise and be dismissed for today. I preached hard. I hope it didn't preach too long, but I preached hard. I preached something that would make you think on the end of what Pastor Ronnie said the other day. Same, just dovetailing together. We just got one thing to preach around here, and it's not about David in a cave. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, I am, who's going to do everything in your life that you need done. And so we praise Him for that. Amen? Amen. Let's just give Him a praise. Thank you, Lord. We just honor You right now. I've done my best this morning to just encourage everybody in this place that we just have one source. We just have one faith, one belief. There's just one that we believe in. And that's You, Lord, the mighty I am. We thank You for all of those things that are there inside of You, the presence. Lord, all of those things that fill us, all those things that minister to us. And we just ask You, O God, that we'll stay close to that presence of I am in our lives. And we'll give You all the glory, Jesus. Everyone said amen.